Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Peter. So, Peter. Yes. Since we kind of took a trip uh, last week, I think, down Nostalgia Lane, not only our childhoods, but talking about how music affects um, memory and nostalgia. Were you ever, in the 90s, were you ever wrapped up in the Pokemon phenomenon? The The short answer to that is no, but I feel like I had so much, like, secondhand exposure to it. Like, I was never, like, against it, but I just had so much secondhand exposure to it that I, like, it still is a part of my childhood, even though I wasn't, like, mm-hmm. super into it, I guess. And you know that about me. Yeah, like, it's, through osmosis, I guess, you kind of absorbed enough about the fandom that, you know, socially you could talk about it and not be like, what the hell is that? Right. Um, I mean, like, some of the details are, like, specific. Like, I don't know who evolves into who or whatever for the most part, but, like, generally I understand what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you're you a pretty big Pokemon fan, though. Yeah, um, I'm a nerd. Uh, I'm still a Pokemon fan to the point that I still play the new games. I dived wholeheartedly into that Pokemon franchise like Scrooge McDuck dives into coins. And the Japanese businessmen were jumping into coins like Scrooge McDuck from all the money you spent. Exactly. (laughs) Pokemon obviously was a pretty big cultural phenomenon, I guess, in the 90s, um, along with things like Beanie Babies and Mm. I can't really think of much else. That's all there was. I jumped on any fandom that was in the 90s that was, like, big enough and was just like, this defines who I am. (laughs) Uh, It's called being a kid. Yeah, true. So... You know where a kid can be a kid, Kyle. And Toys R Us? Yeah, I was thinking it was either Toys R Us or Chuck E. Cheese, but I couldn't remember. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Chuck E. Cheese is the slogan where a kid can be a kid. I had a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese when I was, like, nine, and... They had the animatronic band, and I remember, mm. like, at our table, there was, like, balloons and stuff, so we were taking the balloons and, like, undoing them and letting them go at the animatronic guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was it was weird times. Anyways. Um, Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon! Pokemon! Pokemon was the pokey and the man in the thing where the guy comes out of the thing and he likes to fall off of that. Yeah, huge phenomenon. They had video games. In fact, I think the video game was when I how I first got into it. I know the game came out in Japan, obviously before the show did, but I don't know if it came out in America before the show did. I think it may have been a little bit before because I remember the Game Boy game. Yeah, yeah. It was like red and blue or whatever. Uh, I remember my cousin who was older than me recommending like, hey, you should get this game. And you had to choose red or blue. And I chose red because there was a dope ass dragon on the front. Hashtag Team Charizard. Yeah, because there there were the games. There was the card game. Which came out a while after, if I remember. Oh, did it? Like a good seven or eight months after. I don't remember like the timeline of it, but like obviously there was a TV show. There were several movies. Yeah, yeah. The game was definitely first for me is like how I got into it. And then I started watching the TV show. And then later on, probably about a good six or seven months later, I remember starting to see card packs in stores. And I'm like, oh, I got to get in on this shit. <laughs> um, in fact, I remember I bought my first Pokemon cards pack, card packs at Toys R Us. 
Because I saw them. Where a kid can be a kid. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what the Toys R Us jingle is. I thought it was like, I'm a Toys R Us kid. I don't know, whatever. Um, Oh, don't, or I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. That was it. Oh, yeah. And look at me now. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So since since we're a music podcast, Kyle, where is this all going? It's going somewhere. I was going to say, even you, Peter, um, being Pokemon or adjacent, are aware of the the sort of Pokemon catchphrase or tagline, right? Gotta catch them all? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That was kind of their their tagline. It was, you know, uh, the whole point, obviously, was, you know, collecting as many Pokemon as possible, which is genius because it teaches kids to consume. Uh, <laughs> spend as much money as possible. Exactly. Gotta spend it all. It looks like here the... the the video game debuted in September 8th, which is almost a month. What, Actually, 20? that was yesterday. No, wait, fuck. It's August. No, we're in August. <laughs> That's what I was trying to figure, do the math. That's almost a, a month. So next month, it'll be 22 years old. Pokemon Red and Blue, you mean? Yes. Okay. The original Red and Blue game came out in the U.S. in uh, September of 1998. It says the Japanese anime debuted in april of 1997 so about a year a little over a year before the games even came to the u.s i was Um, actually thinking like they japan probably got it on at least a year or two before all we did oh yeah for sure just because it takes time to make it american yeah exactly it takes time to make it american you mean do the english voiceovers or whatever uh Uh, localization that's the term yeah thank you so yeah, you're right, exactly. Japan kind of had been, you know, whipping their citizens up into a frenzy for this for about a year before it came stateside. But along with that anime, there was obviously an opening song for the show. The The song was basically called the catchphrase for the series Gotta Catch Em All. Uh, also, it's called the Pokemon theme song. Basically, the origin of this song is actually a bit more interesting than just, oh yeah, it's the theme song for, you know, the Pokemon cartoon that every kid watched. So, the, so there's already more on this than there was on Arthur in the last episode. <laughs> uh, interestingly, yes. <laughs> so the song for Pokemon was written by two guys, both named John. It was John Siegler and John Loeffler. Hmm. And they wrote sort of the English adaptation of the song. The, the Japanese version was obviously someone else. John Siegler and John Loeffler wrote the lyrics for the song, while Siegler uh, specifically produced the track. Now, John Siegler is a bit interesting because... He was previously the bassist for bands including Utopia and Hall of Notes. So there is a bit of an R&B connection there. So Siegler produced the track. He played keyboards, bass, and drums on the track. Another guy, David Rolf, who actually was a singer on later later iterations of the theme song for the series, because it's still going, he played guitar on the track. So they're like, hey, we need, you know, a singer for the vocals Hmm. so none of them i guess wanted to do it and the team that basically what is it adapted or serialized the show for an american audience it was called uh four kids with the the number four so they were like okay we should hold an audition to figure out who's going to sing this pokemon song and i guess when they were looking for a singer they said that they wanted to find someone that sounded young but not childish Sadly, Michael Jackson was not available. Uh, John Siegler was quoted as saying, quote, we didn't want it to sound like a nursery rhyme. (laughs) 
We wanted it to be so that the kids who we were selling the show to would feel like they were listening, weren't listening to their parents, Eric Clapton. <laughs> so huh. they wanted it to sound not like they were dumbing it down for children, like it was some Door of the Explorer shit, but they didn't want it to sound like something from, you know, the 70s or early 80s that their parents would be listening to either. Interesting. So they searched around for someone to sing the song, and they eventually landed on this guy, Jason Page. Now, at the time, Jason Page was an actor, singer, who was in his late 20s, and he was basically running around doing, you know, sessions for jingles and commercials. He was never really in, like, a band or anything. He basically, just because he had a unique voice, would lend it to be doing, you know, commercials and songs and voiceovers. And they brought him in to do some recording sessions. Um, I guess it only took a couple sessions for him to lay down the... It was a, initially a 60-second track. So before we get into more of the background of him and the, the Pokemon fanaticism of the 90s, um, let's play a clip of the song for the five people that probably haven't heard it. <laughs> I, I was just reminded of something because I found the YouTube clip that plays the um, actual cartoon intro uh, with all the visuals. And there's a scene in there where a giant jellyfish smashes a building. And I remember reading that that particular episode was pulled out of syndication after 9-11 because mm. it's a giant Pokemon destroying buildings and it invoked the destruction of 9-11 a little bit too much for children. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. So yeah, they ended up pulling it out of the play, I guess, reruns or whatever. Probably at least in the U.S., yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to be the very best, Kyle? Like no one ever was. I literally, I'm not even kidding you, that song is in my running playlist, like when I go running, because it's... Nice. It's a a good song for that. It's like a perfect workout song. (laughs) You can definitely hear uh, Jason Page's voice in there. It's... It's kind of sort of like 80s pop rock sounding a little bit. Yeah, it, yeah, I get that feel from it. You could tell that they wanted something upbeat and powerful, but the people writing it were also kind of stuck in 80s music, where by 1998, I mean, grunge and pop rock and punk had already kind of swept all that aside. But right. still a really good song. Hmm. You know, with the debut of the t- television show and the video games, and the card game, and everything. Uh, They said by April 1999, which was probably mere months after the show debuted, says here seven months after. Okay, well, we can kind of backtrack. If it's seven months from April, that means they debuted in... late 98. September of 98. So yeah, it must have been right around the same time as the games. I might have just been late to the train uh, and gotten the games before I watched the show. So, seven months after the the American TV debut, New York Times reported that the franchise had secured, quote, at least 40 licensing deals for dozens of different products, which used the the Pokemon theme song either in part or in full to advertise or to play or whatever. Within that seven-month time span, it pulled in north of $200 million. Just in that time frame? Mm Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Companies like 
Tops, Hasbro, and Tiger Electronics were jumping on board in droves, looking to make, you know, action figures and trading cards and toys and video games. Uh, Siegler, uh, John Siegler is quoted again in the article that I'm pulling from here as saying, quote, They were selling everything, Pokemon lunchboxes, Pokemon underwear, whatever, because it was really huge. The first couple years of Pokemon, it was just insane. Yeah, that's that's something I do remember is that it was just everywhere. Yeah, it went from like, what the fuck is this to holy crap, I can't escape this. <laughs> <laughs> In third grade, it had started to take off, but then by fourth grade, which I guess would have been, what, 90, 98, 99 for us. Fourth grade, it was just super huge. And I remember kids were bringing their Pokemon cards to school. Mm. And it was literally becoming such a phenomenon that schools were banning kids from bringing Pokemon cards because it was so distracting. Like, they couldn't focus on school. They were just trading with friends. Mm. At some point, I don't know what had transpired, but there was like an empty pack of Pokemon cards in my desk that had gotten stuffed to the back of the desk because I was messy as a kid and didn't ever organize or clean my desk out. Mm -hmm. This was a couple months, I think, after they had already banned Pokemon cards. The teacher found it. Maybe it was maybe it was over Christmas break or something. They f they f naturally going through your desk, right? I didn't even I mean I, I didn't think about that actually, as a kid. But yeah, kind of weird. They I swear to God they acted like it was a drug bust. It was so like weird. <laughs> I I didn't get like suspended or anything. I don't know if I got detention, but I just remember like even as a kid thinking like you're making way big a deal out of this. And well, it's not even like they caught you being distracted or distracting other kids during school. It was like. While you weren't even there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't 100% remember the circumstances of how they found it, but I remember it was an empty pack with no cards in it, just the wrapper or whatever, that had yeah. gotten to the back of my desk, and they were just, like, <laughs> acting like it was contraband. And I, I remember thinking even then, like, you guys are overreacting about this. I don't physically have any cards on me. It's like finding an empty bag of weed. Right? Yeah, it was, it was weird. I mean, I did go to, like, a small school, small town. I mean, I don't know. They probably thought it was, you know, demons or something. So, basically, to capitalize on the success of the franchise, the company Four Kids, who um, brought the TV show to America, uh, wanted to do a full album of original Pokemon music. Huh. So they brought in the two Johns, Loeffler and Siegler, again, to basically do a full album. And they brought in Jason Page, the singer, to sing an extended three-minute version of the Pokemon theme song, whereas the original for the television show was only like a minute long. Oh, so it's not like they cut it down to a minute for the show. It was actually... No, they recorded a minute version, and then they, re I guess, extended the, the lyrics of the song to be full three minutes. Huh. They also had him sing on another song called Viridian City, which, more nerdy video game stuff, is the second city in the game that you go to. It's the first. It's, it has the first gym in the game. I don't know if you remember. You battle different gym leaders uh, who have different oh, yeah, specialized yeah. Pokemon types, and then once you beat them, you go to the Elite Four, and then once you beat them, you win the game. The name of the finished album, because this is very '90s, was "To Be a Master," where it's the let, number two, the letter B, the letter A, and then Master. So it's like kind of like internet speak before internet, right? They said they completed the album in less than a month, so they really churned that fucker out. I guess John Loeffler has said in interviews, basically, yeah, like, we rushed this, uh, that the album featured 13 original songs sung, sung by various artists and vocalists. I found 
a clip of the Viridian City song um, that's also sung by um, Jason Page. So let's play a little clip of that. It's lesser known, obviously, than the Pokemon theme song, but it's more, you know, so you can see kind of his voice and whatnot. Huh, well, that was interesting. It sounds very 90s for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that his voice is a bit higher pitched. I mean, hmm. they even made jokes about it in the comments of the YouTube video, but he, he's definitely invoking a bit of Michael Jackson in this video. I even get a small amount of that at like the very beginning of the regular theme song, too. Yeah, a little. But this one is a bit more falsetto than the other one. So, so this was this was the only other song that he sang on from this album? It was the only other song that he sang. They had other artists singing other songs. Got it. Um, okay. And if you're wondering, yes, I did have this album. Oh, okay. I think I had it on CD. I don't think I, I think by then cassettes were kind of dying. I don't think I had cassettes anymore at that point. So here, here's the the interesting part of the story. I know up to this point we're basically just like, yeah, these guys made this song and they made a fuck ton of money. Which is true. Which is true. The interesting part is that the singer Jason Page said that quote. He was paid in the three figures with the promise of future compensation on the album. Basically, they paid him shit. In the three figures, meaning he was paid less than a thousand dollars. Less than a thousand dollars, yes. What the fuck? Why did he accept that? He knew it was how popular it was. Yeah, he he talks about that later on. I guess in in between the time of his signing this initial really shit contract Mm. and the album's release. Uh, the Pokemon franchise had ballooned into a $5 billion global phenomenon. $5 billion? Oh, you don't want to know how much it's it's made now. I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. Jeez. Because, of you know, it was just, oh, here's your initial upfront money, and, you know, we might pay you money based on the success of the album. His initial contract didn't stipulate any royalties for the use of his voice. Yeah, that was the thing that rose a red flag in my head. Basically, because Pokemon had exploded, by 2000, he had hired a lawyer to try to recoup some of what he felt was, you know, the gigantic amount of revenue generated from this song. Yeah. He eventually settled out of court to the sum that the New York Post estimated as the mid-five figures. So, maybe $60,000. I mean, it's better than a few hundred, but still, that's not nearly what he should have been paid for that. Yeah, imagine imagine be, having royalties every time they someone plays that song, you'd be a millionaire easily. Yeah, there's a uh, interview with Jason Page that I found uh, that's more recent that was done with a YouTuber named Tamashi Hiroka, where the singer is being reflective about basically how why he never cashed in on the popularity of the Gotta Catch 'Em All song, and he says, "quote If I had taken." That horrible, horrible, record-breaking, horrible contract based on the amount of success that Pokemon had, I would have made more money off of that bad contract than I did in the settlement. It taught me in the future to make sure that I don't work for people that don't have my best interests at heart. Yeah, for real. Yeah, that's that's kind of a harsh lesson, but it's kind of one of those like, yeah, you got, you purposely got a little bit screwed. 
But it's also, um, that's also not a mistake that you make twice, I'm sure. Exactly. It's kind of one of those, like, read the contract up front, make sure make sure you're not getting boned. Yeah. Like I said, he was in his, it said he was in his early 20s at the time of recording, and he, he hadn't yet struck it big. He was doing, you know, jingles and commercials and stuff, so what's one more to him, I guess? Right. He says that despite those misgivings, he doesn't really hold any grudges against Pokemon as an institution. And since its resurgence with the Pokemon Go game, he people have obviously been re-reminded of, you know, the Pokemon theme song, the fact that he sung it, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. his, his star's risen a little bit um, in the last handful of years. So he's not, it sounds like he's not, you know, too butthurt by it. It's more just like, hey, I learned a harsh lesson about show business. Yeah, well, it's a it's a lesson for you two listeners. Um, know your worth, I guess, and yeah. don't get tricked by children's companies. So, remember what I said before that in the span of a year, Pokemon made about $5 billion? It didn't stop. <laughs> Basically, uh-huh. Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise in the world. It's worth more than Marvel. It's worth more than Disney. It's worth more than... Oh, Mario. even more than them? Probably yeah, at least as a single franchise, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's more so than other things. It's been able to branch into so many different categories. Video games, movies, shows, collectibles. Pokemon made $5 billion in roughly its first year of explosion. Uh, over the course of the last, what, 22 years, we said? It's made $60 billion. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of blew my mind. I mean, you see, like, you know, Avengers, the, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, Avengers made, you know, $1.5 billion. Imagine Marvel making, like, 50 of those movies all making a billion dollars. I, I had no idea Pokemon was the most lucrative thing ever to be made. Well, if nothing else, as long as video games will exist, I'm sure there will be Pokemon games. Oh, yeah. It, it's already, it's getting to the point where... The people like me that grew up with the Pokemon games are still playing the games, and as new Pokemon games come out that are targeted towards children, my generation, because we're kind of stupid sometimes, are basically like, Pokemon games are too easy, they should make them harder. (laughs) And then people have to be reminded, like, these games are for children, not for 30-year-olds that want to be children. I've watched, um, and this is not super relevant, but I've watched certain, like, Lego reviews, about like mm-hmm. newer sets that come out today, which are like way more complex and like good value than they were like in terms of complexity, like when we were kids. But that's beside the mm-hmm. point. But basically, there's times where people will be like complaining about, oh, this is you know too basic or this or that, and the reviewer has to be like, remember, this is a toy for kids as young as like six. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I know yeah. I know a lot of like adults are into this, but, like, you have to understand that you are not in their demographic. Yeah, exactly. That being said, uh, in terms of Pokemon, though, I'm surprised that they don't... Because, um, like, they have to know that there's that whole demographic of, the, like, us original consumers. Well, the way that they, the way that they branded it, which is kind of cute, especially with the newer games that came out... Um, like po- like like for the the Nintendo Switch, they released a, a series of games called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, and they're they're basically updated versions of the original oh, okay. Pokemon games from the Game Boy for kids to kind of 
get into. And the way they marketed it was, hey, you have kids now, you play Pokemon as a kid, this is something that you can share with your children and bond with. Without needing to dust off your old Game Boy Color. Yeah, exactly. So they're still targeting kids and they're targeting parents in the kind of like, hey, this is a family-friendly thing that has been going so long that, you know, parents and children can bond, I guess, over it, which is cute. Mm -hmm. I found another article... I didn't want to dive too deep into it, but I guess in the interview he had with that YouTuber, Tamashi uh, Hiroka, he he kind of asked him, like, hey, what are you up to now? And I guess he's gotten really into Bitcoin and is using his brand name to kind of advertise for Bitcoin to the point that he, like, wrote a, a song to the, to the theme of the Pokemon song talking about Bitcoin, <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think he's like, he's kind of leaned libertarian in his views and basically, you know, a lot of libertarians get into Bitcoin because it's a decentralized currency, non-government and shit. Right. So that was weird, but yeah, that's, I guess, what he's up to. I'm sure he's doing other stuff. I just thought that was, I'm like, oh, okay. That's not what I would have guessed he was doing now. That's not what I would have guessed. I thought yeah, you were exactly. going to say like, oh, he's doing this whole music thing. I mean, I guess he made that song about Bitcoin. Yeah. So yeah, the, the 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 lesson of this episode is read the contract beforehand, uh, so you can make money. And they said we'll pay you in Pokemon cards. That probably would have made him more money if you would have kept them. Yeah, true. Uh yeah, Pokemon cards are like freaking gold now. Like the original ones that came out when we were kids. If I would have kept those, I guarantee you, I'd probably have a couple thousand dollars worth, easy. And you know what, listeners? Kyle actually told a short more specific story about that in one of our previous episodes and what you should do did. is go figure out which episode that was and listen because <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> yeah uh you can go and listen to that episode where i complain about squandering my pokemon wealth <laughs> um as long as well as all other episodes where i complain about things on getyourfunk.com if you have any pokemon related memories uh that hit you in the feels you can share those with us at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. So yeah, this has basically just been a trip down memory lane for me. This has been your master trainer, Kyle. And this has been your... Um, what have I been? Gym leader Peter. There, sure. <laughs> the first gym in the game is called Pewter Gym, which kind of sounds like Peter. Peter Gym. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with gym. that. Maybe I'll be something else next time, listeners, and you can listen in for that. <laughs>